from the center of the universe and the home of your Grey Cup champion, Toronto Argonauts. It's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos bi-week podcast brought to you by Something in the Water Brewing. My name is Ben Grant. He's JB. We are your hosts for this bi-week special. And... All of our stuff you can find on xsandargos.com. We've got JB's got his report card there, uh, which I always enjoy. Uh, Reeve Batstone, one of our contributors, just put out a piece on the Argonauts chemistry, uh, which is uh, a must read. Uh, and all of our stuff comes to you without, without subscription, without any charge. All we ask from you is that you support our sponsors and Something in the Water Brewing uh, is our title sponsor for this season. I, I've got a, a Pancake Bay Sweet Brunch Stout on the go here in my, my nice skull helmet mug. And next time, JB, I think next time we, next time we record, I believe cans of Longboat will be available. I know X's and Argos listeners have been enjoying Longboat off the tap from something in the water located down in Liberty Village. And uh, yeah, shortly uh, that is going to be available in cans too. So I believe next week by the time we're recording, maybe, maybe we will have a, uh, each have a a can of Longboat uh, to enjoy while we record our podcast. But yeah, make sure you check out something in the water brewing in Liberty Village, our title sponsor for the 2023 season. JB, we've got a huge podcast today. We've got to talk about the disrespect that the Argos seem to be getting. I know Argos fans are enraged about it. We'll get into that. Uh, I want to talk about Coach Mates and some of the brilliant things he's been doing and why Toronto Argonauts fans may not be able to enjoy that for very long. I will talk about the PFF rankings that came out for this week, plus the next stretch that the Argos go on and what the schedule looks like over the next few weeks. We've got quarterback rankings. We've got power rankings that we're bringing out, plus put me down for 20 CFL picks. And we've got a fantasy grudge match this week. We don't talk about fantasy a lot, but we're taking on the guys from Argos Fancast. So uh, we got we got to come up with a little bit of strategy, at least here, JB. All that more coming up on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. All right, let's get into things, JB. The Argos beat the formerly number one ranked BC Lions pretty handily, 21 points. Argos fans are upset about the fact that people seem to be, much like last year's Grey Cup win, where people were saying, well, it wasn't so much the Argos, the Bombers just blew it. People are saying this week, it wasn't so much the Argos, just the Lions kind of gave it to them. Uh, how do you, where do you stand on that narrative? Uh, no, I mean... Yeah, BC was was down a couple of people, but uh, the the Argos outplayed BC. You know, they were the home team. Um, they had that advantage. BC had to come across the country. These are all things that teams have to deal with. You don't get to play teams at optimal performance at home all the time. That's not how the league works. So, I think anybody who thinks that BC gave the the game to uh, to Toronto um, doesn't watch football. <laughs> And I think that, I think it's not like the Argos were healthy coming in. Like the Argos are dealing with their third string yeah, middle like, linebacker. Right, exactly. Like everybody. Uh, their like left Argos were missing. at home. That's definitely an advantage. But they, look, they they outplayed British Columbia. They, they dominated them on specials, which is not usually a forte of theirs. Um, they turned their Cinderella back into a pumpkin. You know, and they sent them on their merry way with uh, a dominant win. I, I, there's no two ways about it. Like, does this mean Toronto's going to win the Grey Cup? No. 
But does it mean Toronto is the best team in the league right now? Of course it does. Yeah, I, I really don't think you can argue that. And and I don't think, I, I think you can look at it and say, well, yeah, BC just didn't play their normal kind of football. But it takes, like, there's another team involved <laughs> yeah, in that, right? Like, <laughs> it's not I've many times had players say, oh, we didn't play that well. No, like, they're good. That's why you didn't play well. That's what happens when you play a team that's better than you. Uh, you play worse than you normally do. They force you to play not well. It's yeah, I I I hate when people say that. <laughs> but it's but it said it a lot, and it's yeah, I, I know, know it's all well, over social play media. Well, yeah. I've got I've got so many messages, DMs, and and mentions where people are like, "How come how come everyone thinks this had nothing to do with the Argos?" And yeah, I get that. No, frustration. it's like a boxing match. You can't be like, "Well, normally I box much better," <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, because the guy you boxed was 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 bigger and stronger. That's why you lost. You know, I mean, it's not it's not complicated. Now, but would you take? Let suppose suppose this were a doubleheader, and there were, this is super hypothetical. Mm-hmm. Suppose Toronto was playing in BC this week. Would you take the Argos or would you take the Lions? Uh well, back to back. Well, okay, in three weeks' time. Um, yeah, look, I I think I think that that's tough. Like, I think beating a team twice, like beating a good team twice, is not easy to do. I think you're always looking to split against a good team. Um, so I would probably lean BC at home. I think traveling across the country is is not easy for players to do. It, ha- it has a toll. Um, I think BC probably has, um, you know, will have a different game plan in terms of adjusting to what Toronto was doing. That, that's just the nature of, that's just the nature of football. I don't, I don't think this was the defining win and now we're better than BC, but Toronto was better than BC on this day. And, you know, and you move forward. But yeah, I, I, I think BC is still a good football team. That's why that's why the win, I think, is, is so important, because uh, I thought they took a pretty good punch from a pretty good team. And, uh, you know, and they got the win at home, which is what you're aiming to do against good teams. And I think, and I would agree with you. I think BC probably would win in in uh, in Vancouver, but I think Toronto wins in a neutral site. I think they are a better football team right now. I think they're I think they're playing better on offense and defense, can more consistently. They're not more explosive on offense, but they're more consistent on offense than they and they won't find ways or haven't at least yet find found ways to lose games. Yeah. And the defense is is great, best defense in the league probably. Toronto's, yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I think that. Um... That they are, what they are is what we talked about in the off season. Is they are very, very hard to figure out because they have so much talent at so many positions, and they have a number of people that can play different roles. And when you have a defensive coordinator who is talented enough to to cook up uh, what he has there, not just kind of go with the standard defense, you put those two things together, and they're a nightmare to prepare for because. You've got a secondary that is fast and physical and has three or four ball hawks. You got a defensive line that'll eat you. Uh, you've got, I mean, we don't even have Mwamba in the mix, but you've got linebackers who are a problem uh, when it comes to blitzing. I, I do not envy teams going at Toronto because Toronto's defense to this point has been incredibly variable. Um, and and to be honest, right now in the league, they're, they're just Toronto is basically the only team in the league that has a running game worth a damn. So if teams can't pound the ball against Toronto and they have to throw it, that that's going to be a big problem for them.
That's a beautiful segue into our next segment, Coach Mace. Coach Mace, the defensive coordinator for the Toronto Argonauts, is is just uh, a gem uh, and someone that I think Argos fans really need to enjoy this season because, unfortunately, as with all great coordinators, they don't stick around for that long because they inevitably become a head coach. And I know like Farhan Lodge was was tweeting uh I think he re- I retweeted something of mine or, or commented on something of mine and said that Coach Mace was was like this close to getting the head coaching job in Ottawa last year, like for, you know, before the season started. And you see the stuff that Mace has done through three games this season. It's a guarantee that Coach Mace is going to be, as long as there's a vacancy, and there will be, there always are. If there's a vacant head coaching position next year in the CFL, Coach Mace has got to be number one on everybody's list to fill that. He's and it's not just it's not just the the X's and O's stuff, and we'll talk a little bit about that and why he's so good. But it's personality too. Everybody I've talked to loves him, and the players love playing for him. You can see that. You can see that at practice. You can see that in games. Watch the players when they get. <laughs> this is, I, I'm sure this isn't the analogy that he wants, but like when the players get back to the sideline after a great defensive series or after a pick and they go up and they're, you know, they're high-fiving with, with Coach Mace and Coach Bell. It's like, it's like, they're so, they're so proud to like, to, to show dad what they did. It feels like that. Uh, <laughs> it feels like that, you know, he's not, you know, he's not uh, old enough to, to fill that role probably yet. But, uh, but that's sort of, you know, what it looks like to me is like, look, dad, look what I did. Weren't you, weren't you so impressed with what I, what I did it there? They can't wait to play for him and to go to war for him. And, and so he's going to make a fantastic head coach. So, we look. We gotta. We come to come to terms with it right now. Argos fans. He's gone next year. He's going to be head coaching, and you're going to have to play against him next year. But let's enjoy this year and see what he does out there because he's 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 the best. He looks he looks so good as a DC. I know. Unfortunately, I think it's going to be Hamilton, oh God. <laughs> uh, which is just beyond uh, beyond uh, disappointing. But I agree with you. He is going to be a fantastic head coach. Um, guy, I, I mean, I'm sure the players respond to somebody who who uses their skills. It's not, you know, coming in with a set system and you have to adapt to it and you have to change to it. You know, when he has red paint, he paints to burn red. You know, he he's he's hooking up defenses based on the skill set of the guys he has, and I, I'm sure the guys love it because he puts them in positions to be successful and. Um, he takes advantage of their ability to to learn complex defenses that make sense for their skill set, not just complexity for the sake of complexity. There was a play in the game this week where you really saw some of the some of the elements that make Coach Mace stand out. And it is having like it's like you're saying too, like it is having the players. You got to have. You can't just go out and do the stuff he's doing with a bunch of new guys. So having that continuity. Obviously, it helps. He's got his, you know, he's he's working with with Fields and Bell again, and he's got the same pieces largely in place. But yeah, one interception in particular, I was looking at carefully. I wrote a piece for Three Down Nation, which I'd love for you to check out. I was breaking down Vernon Adams' six interceptions and looking at why and sort of whose fault it was. And sometimes it was on Vernon, and sometimes it was on other parts of the the Lions' offense. And sometimes it's just stuff that's so hard to read that you don't see, especially 
when there's traffic in your face and, and guys are coming from, from all over the place. So on this one particular play, I think it was the first interception of the game, Robertson Daniel picks it off. Argos are showing uh, what looks like cover one pre-snap. You got Royce Mechie as sort of the one high. and uh, But what is already drawing your attention as a quarterback and certainly as the offensive line is that guys aren't where they're supposed to be. You've got Wyndham McManus lined up as a defensive end. And so you're kind of looking over there thinking, okay, some, something's happening. And then Flo Remolade, who would normally be over there, he's actually dancing right now in front of Michael Couture, the center. And he's dancing back and forth. He's, he's not a three-point. He's just kind of dancing around. You're like, is he, is he dropping? Is he, is he coming? If he is, through which gap? And he ends up engaging Couture on the snap. Well, sort of engaging is misleading because nobody touched him. But he forces Couture to commit to him, which then leaves Oakman one-on-one with Chung. And that is a matchup that Oakland's going to win pretty much every time. And so that uh, alone is enough to create problems. And and Aramalade gets by Couture completely untouched. And he's right in Vernon Adams' face. You've got uh, Oakman, who's pushed Chung right back into Vernon Adams' face. And while that's going on, Adams actually was able to diagnose part of the coverage. It wasn't cover one. They were disguising it, which they do so well. And JB, maybe you can talk about that in a second. They had shifted and they had kind of rolled into a cover two. And the sneakiest part of it is that it actually wasn't cover two. It's what we call Tampa two. Typically, the middle linebacker is the one that drops back in Tampa two. And while you've got these sort of two deep uh, safeties usually uh, covering halves of the field, that middle linebacker drops back and takes away the underneath hole. Here it was actually the boundary halfback, Robertson Daniel, who very quietly crept over into that underneath hole. And Adams saw the cover too, was looking for rhymes on the post, did not see Daniel drift back because to him, the middle linebacker on that play, as you would read it, would be a Rimalade. But brilliant scheme. Uh, and and I don't blame I don't blame Adams for throwing that pick. He had so much stuff going wrong in that. I don't know what you do. Like how do you how do you handle a play like that? Uh, you know, but what do you do as the quarterback when when that's what's going on? You're having guys pushed into your lap, guys getting by untouched, and they're disguising the coverage so well that you don't have time to read it. Yeah, you have to be two dimensional. You have to be able to run the ball uh, if you are. And so that's why Toronto has really been so successful. Is they are absolutely built to have the lead and when they have the lead and you have to go to passing uh their pass rush their defensive secondary is ready to to pounce on all of that stuff i I think in all honesty i think the only way you're going to be able to handle toronto um is either a get out to a big lead which is not easy to do against that defense but i think more likely you have to be able to do both you have to make them respect the run and you have to make them commit people to the run, um, which will then reduce the um, you know the the creativity of coach uh, in terms of game plan because you have to have a few more people in the box. I I don't see any other way to do it because they are just too good and too smart, and they're only getting better. Um, I I mean, what what could you study on film? There's nothing you can study on film that's going to help you when you're the quarterback out there. And you're seeing ghosts, you know, <laughs> film study is not going to help that. Can we talk about the disguising that Toronto is doing? Just how well their players are disguising coverage. I don't even know who the best guy is. Like, I, I know like Robertson Daniels is great at it. Pickett is really good at it as well. McFadden impressed me this week. That, that pick that he had, 
he couldn't have sold man coverage more. He was a in, he was impressed man uh, right up until the snap, and he ended up in deep third and picked the ball off because Adams didn't see it. But he's he's giving like every, there's no hint. There's no hint anywhere. He's staring right at the receiver. His body is facing entirely towards the receiver. He's got inside shade, uh, and he's locked in on on his receiver. And yet his his responsibility is like twenty yards backwards. Um, and you know all these guys are contributing to it. But it's not just. It's not just the guy with the assignment that's contributing. It's other guys, too, that are drawing attention. So, like, Pickett, while when he knows Robertson Daniel is going to be coming late on a halfback blitz, he'll often, on the opposite side of the field, draw attention by, by mugging or, or, or creeping in at the last second only to bail out. And so it's just a whole team thing. Like, right now, with those veterans in that in that defensive room. Yeah, it, it, it look, it's the sweet spot that any coach could dream of, which is when you have talent and talent that buys into your scheme and a lot of times you know you have uh none of the above sometimes you have one of the above uh on those rare occasions where you have talent that 100 percent buys into your scheme i mean that that's when you that's when magic can happen because those guys are flying around the field with uh you know with the coaches with coaches eyes and a player's ability and and when you when you get that it's fantastic. So I mean, that's where they are, and 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 those guys are all buying in. And I don't think, in small part, it's, it's you can underestimate the impact of Daniel or or Pickett in that dressing room in terms of leading the way. Let's get into PFF grades for this week. I've loved having access to some of this PFF stuff this year. I, I've long been a PFF fan. We've talked. You, you and I talked about this last week on the pod. We don't agree with everything they do. And we don't agree with all the grading. And I think that's fine. But I think at the at the end of the day, it's it's an intelligent football call on stuff. And I think it's at least worth looking at. And so these things coming out week to week, they, they don't generally surprise us. So you've got some really good Argos numbers this week. Chad Kelly as the top rated quarterback for the week with a grade of 83.7. And the next nearest guy is 64.5. So it's a... a Huge week, obviously, for for Chad Kelly. Uh, top graded uh, linebacker was Winton McManus, uh, which he he played a, just a really solid game. I didn't notice him as much because again he's playing within a unit, but he w- had a lot more demands than I realized when we were initially watching the game. When we were sort of watching it, the Argos move around so much; it's hard to actually tell what what each person's base responsibilities are because as we talked about in the last segment mace uses them so liberally but mace was back and forth between playing mac between playing will uh they lined him up as the defensive end sometimes and yeah he just he played solid football wherever they put him and so 76.8 was his grade and the next closest guy um was was 71.5 so yeah he was well out in front and then, of course, the defensive back of the week. How could it not be Robertson Daniel? And that's in amongst a bunch of guys that had really good games in the secondary. Robertson Daniel had an, a grade of 89.2, which is a huge grade by PFF standards. Uh, you know, three picks and a pick six will do that. But yeah, Douglas Coleman from Ottawa was right on his heels, 88.3. There were a couple guys uh, in the 80s with him. So, but yeah, huge game from those guys. A couple honorable mentions. Pickett was in there. Cam Phillips was in there for their categories, too. But yeah, huge game from from all those guys. Uh, what do you think about Wyndham McManus um, and the flexibility that he showed last week moving all over the place? 
Yeah, I mean, I I, I noticed it in the game before um, that he he seems to be all the way back and confident in his in his body to to fly around. And uh, so, it, you know, he was the best defensive player in the league last year. And sometimes we can all have short memories. Um, but when he is at his best, I, I, I love it because, you know, he's kind of filling in from Wamba a little bit too. So he kind of solidifies that middle of the field and lets things cook other places because you know that uh, nothing is going to go that wrong in the middle of the field. Uh, I'm really excited to see what they do you know, uh, if we can get everybody healthy and you can get Mwamba rolled back into that mix. Yeah, they. I, I don't even know, like, but I wouldn't put anything past Coach Mace because we've seen packages where you got seven DBs on the field, for example. Like we've seen him use this. Like if, if you want to you want to get the, a, a play out of this guy, you know, send him in for one play. Let's let's take a look at a seven DB play. What, would you rule out a, a some sort of package where you've got McManus, like imagine this on, let's say it's a second and 13 play and you decide to take a, let's say you put out just, just Oakman and Hendricks uh, as D lineman and you send out Williams and Jones, McManus, Mwamba, uh, Pickett, and you kind of have them all swarming around the defensive line. Like that stuff I'm really excited about seeing is because we think we're impressed with the creativity now. Yeah, wait until you've got a healthy room of linebackers, then we'll see what's what. That'll be that'll be pretty awesome. So the stretch. This is a massive stretch of games, JV. First of all, the Argos, they're 3-0. They needed to be 3-0. And first of all, before we even get to that, I, I didn't realize until I heard it on the broadcast, I think it was Marshall Ferguson that said it on the broadcast, that this is the first time the Argos have been three and oh since the the 1991 season was that uh, <laughs> which is amazing to me like it, it's not like we're talking eight and oh we're talking three and oh uh it's pretty unbelievable that the Argos have not started three and oh since then but they needed to because this schedule is as you mentioned the first day the schedule came out it is back heavy uh there are problems later in the schedule it starts at super light two bye weeks within the first five weeks. That's great in terms of being rested. But this next stretch is crucial. They go from their back week six and they go all the way through week 10, which, you know, isn't actually that long. You have five, five games. And then it's their last bye of the year and their last bye of the year. And it's only like August 14th. And now you've got to go run the gauntlet in the fall against tough teams playing in tough places like like out in Winnipeg, for example. And you've got no more buys left and you've got all the way through to the playoffs on that. So, yeah, like there's two big like July is tough and September is really tough. So, yeah, it's, it'll be really interesting to see how it goes. They're basically on the month for a road for no, no discernible reason. Nobody seems to have an answer for or why they're on the road for a month, usually some kind of construction or, or you know, significant reason would be given for why a team goes on the road for a month, but uh, they are. So. And you think it would be TFC, but they're not home either. No, I don't know. There's, I don't know. I don't know whether they're planning on doing renovations for the World Cup, but there's basically nobody at BMO until the end of August. So let's talk about this this five-game stretch, JB, and what the Argos need to do in that five games. So next game is at Montreal. Uh, that's next Friday night, July 14th. 
then at Hamilton, they go to Halifax to play Saskatchewan. Then they go to Calgary to play the Stampeders. And then they finally return home to play the Red Blacks before going on the bye. So those are the five games at Montreal, at Hamilton, in Halifax against the Rough and, Riders, and at Calgary. Little, little spoiler for coming later. I think Ottawa is going to be a problem. Yeah, they may be. They may be a problem at once so they that, start getting things where started. that used to be kind of like I oh, come back and you have the Red Blacks. Yeah, like that. That's a lot. That's that's a yeah. I mean, I think if you can go, if you go three and two, that would be fantastic. Yeah, I think that's it. Like three and two is a win in this stretch, and it doesn't sound great after a three and zero start. Yeah, but I, but I think I think that's great. I think you go two and three, and you're you're going to be into problems in that fall. It's going to force you to have to go on a run when there's when other teams are coming off buys and you're not. And that's the that's the trick with the fall stretch is that it seems like everyone's coming off a buy or you've got back to back here or or um, teams with more rest days. So this stretch really has to be has to be three and two. If you go three and two, I think the Argos are in a pretty good place going into their their final stretch of the season. Yeah, 100%. All right, let's uh, get into our QB rankings. And you and I haven't discussed these yet. We've each made our own quarterback (laughs) rankings. I'm excited to see what you've come up with because, and just like, again, for for listeners, a little uh, peek behind the curtain at, uh, you know, the the long history of um, making lists and making bets against each other that JB and I have. So, you know, we do things like JB and I have had like an, an Oscar pool going way back. And anytime something is very obvious, I usually take the obvious choice. Like, you know, I'll say, well, I think King's speech is going to win best picture. And, and JB's like, no, no, Winter's Bone, Michael McDonough's cinematography is so good. And of course, nobody is going to vote for that. And King's speech ends up winning. So with that in mind, I can't wait to see whose backup quarterback you have as the number one ranked quarterback. Well, I, I certainly almost put somebody very high up the list who, uh, who has not played this season. <laughs> all right. Well, that's I'm all here for that. So I don't know whether that speaks to him or it speaks to the dearth of quarterback talent in the league, but we'll see. So let's do it. Let's do our quarterbacks. We'll go chronologically from we'll do our we'll do our top 10 here and, and see how we go. So number one quarterback in the league, I'm going to start it off first. I think I think Zach Kolaris is your number one quarterback in the league. His stats tell you he's number two right now, uh, but I think he's played the best football and is capable of playing the best football going forward. I think even in his one bad game, quarterbacks will have that sometimes. I was against the BC Lions. I, I trust him to to perform and, and bounce back. So yeah, he's number yeah, one. Yeah, same with Kolaris. You know, he has the championship uh, you have to. You always have to as a tiebreaker. You have to give him the edge because he's won championships. Um, you know his his uh, his touchdown interception rate is fantastic. Um, he you know he's he is second in the league points offensively and offensive touchdowns. Um, he is uh, second in passing touchdowns. He's leading a juggernaut. Uh, to me, he is the best quarterback simply because of his um, his history. Because I could make an argument, uh, and almost did, that Chad Kelly is is playing better than he is right now. But I I will give the nod to uh, the old man at West. Yes, it's like stats wise, and if you wanted to see, I know stats have been that's a whole different topic that we've talked about here and there. But if you want to look at quarterback stats, I I 
compiled them myself and put them on Twitter. If you want to check out my Twitter at Ben double underscore Grant, and you scroll down a little bit, you'll find where I posted quarterback stats. And I've got efficiency rating in there too. And I feel pretty good about all these numbers. But Caleros, in terms of efficiency, is second. You've got Fajardo at the top, 109.56. And Caleros is just behind him, 109.25. And then Chad Kelly's in third, 97.14. I think Chad Kelly's had some favorable situations which have helped him. Like having the lead almost always uh, is going to help your quarterback rating. So yeah, that's... I'm, I'm not as much on the pass efficiency. I'm more about, uh, for me, I'm looking, I'm looking for touchdowns. Uh, like that's what the quarterback's there to do. Quarterback is there to to lead the offense to touchdowns. Everything else is noise. Yeah, and I can't criticize that. And I didn't go just with like straight quarterback efficiency for my list either. But no, no. But it's uh yeah, it's it's well, we agree on on number one. I think that's we do. I know that Although, may be where and our I will tell you in defense divide. of a later pick, there is a certain quarterback who has not played this year, whose last four games in the CFL are identical to Calaris's first four games this season. All right. Well, let's get to that. So number two, who do you have at number two? Uh, number two, I have Chad Kelly. All right. Nice. Uh, he is, um, you know, that he he has been, you know, so you look at the stats, it's a little tricky because he's only played three and BC's played four. Um, so sometimes it's a little apple and orange when you're comparing it. But, you know, he is... Uh, He's he's done fantastically well with the off. Now he, I know the knock is he only has two passing touchdowns, but th- you know I can't put only passing touchdowns on the quarterback just because you know your quarterback is not throwing well doesn't mean you have a good running game. You know that a running touchdown can come from a team respecting the quarterback. Um, so he, you know, he has eleven touchdowns on the offense. They're six point eight seven yards per play. Just first, you know, they're uh, second in net offense. They're second in average gain. Um, he's right at the top for pass efficiency. You know, the only knock against him is his pass touchdowns. Um, but everything else is is fantastic. You know, his his numbers are really good. His touchdown interception rate is really good. Um, it's really just that they've had so much success in the red zone with Olette that they haven't had to have Kelly throw so I'd, I'm not going to hold that against them. I think they've just found um, they've found somebody who's able to get that done. And I think uh, Kelly, um, you know, Kelly's ability to run um, is one of the reasons why Olette has been so successful. So I, I have him at two. And don't forget too, like Chad Kelly does have two passing touchdowns, but that could easily be like five or six. Remember, like the, their rushing touchdowns are coming from inside the five. Well, how did they yeah. get inside the five? Totally, because right? like, he drove right. Like his, he is, he, you know, he again statistically is um, really good at his drives. You know, like in terms of leading touchdown drives, uh, he is. Let's see if he's here one or two, but he, you know, he's. It, it stands out that the offensive touchdowns are coming because Chad Kelly is their quarterback. And he had, you know, Gittins down at like the one. He had Phillips down at the one in the last couple yeah, of games. Yeah, hundred percent. I I think every other statistic uh, stands out against uh, against having, um, you know, Adams or or who else, whoever else might be considered three. So we are the same through one and two, uh, which is surprising. I thought we would already have differences. I wonder if our third quarterback well, I'm, is I'm, the same. I'm happy that you're 
seem to have done a little research here, which is nice to see. Yeah, that happens sometimes. So my number three is Trevor Harris, uh, quarterback of your oh, Saskatchewan okay. Rough Riders. Uh, are you on the same page before I no, break down? No, I, I, I mean, look, I know I called him a pumpkin, but no, you call I, Vernon I, Adams. I can't, a pumpkin. I can't throw Vernon Adams down below third. So you're, you've got Vernon Adams third. I do. Okay, so let's let me talk about let me talk about Harris game. first. All right, you, you you talk about your Trevor Harris. I'm, All right, I'm and then you talk about Adams. So Trevor Harris, um, his numbers are good. They're not fantastic, but I think some of those are misleading too. In in watching his games, uh, he's made some really sharp decisions, and I don't think I don't think people realize the. Like the the skill players around him, and I'll say the same thing for Fajardo as well. He doesn't have right now all the weapons that we thought he would necessarily have going into the season. It hasn't been like that. It hasn't been like he's just kind of throwing up balls and relying on guys to go make plays. And and not saying that Adams has just done that in BC, but obviously Adams has has probably the best weapons in the league around him. Harris has played some really good football, and he's been injured while doing it. The fact that he went into that Winnipeg game not even knowing if he was going to be able to play because of the injury, not just one injury, because there were multiple injuries he'd sustained from getting body slammed into the ground on the last play of the game. And he went out and threw for like 400 yards. And he's just looked against tough competition. He's had a tough go of things. It's been a, it, it's been a, a, a dogfight for him uh, each week. And he's put up really good numbers. He's got five passing touchdowns, three picks. You'd like that to be a little lower, but you know, there's the guy, the guy that you've got number three has got eight. So you know, we'll. Well, yeah, he, he did get lit on fire one game. So um, talk about Vernon Adams as, as your three, and I, I like Vernon. But he's go got ahead. four. He's got four games under his, so his stats are a little higher than some because he's got the four games. But um, you know, look, he he's thrown for you know he is in the top categories for yards thrown for. For offensive touchdowns, um, you know he is uh, really good at escaping the pocket when people are closing down on him. Uh, he is right there with it's Caleros, Kelly, and Adams for uh, touchdown drives. Those guys are by far the leaders. With uh, Kelly leading the way at twenty six, and then Caleros at twenty two, and then Adams at eighteen. Um, so I have him ahead of Trevor Harris. I think that his just in every statistical way, he's a better quarterback. The interceptions, that one interception game, for sure. I mean, that knocked him off the top two. But for me, um, I I could not. You know, I would you trade Trevor Harris for Vernon Adams? I would. I would take Trevor Harris over Vernon Adams. Yeah, <laughs> I would. I like Trevor Harris. Uh, so do I. I I have him next. When but, I did my when I did but my, I have a te- my I have a tear change after that. To me, uh, I think that. Uh, Adams has shown in the first three games that he is putting up elite numbers and Toronto, you know, uh, you know, really kind of uh, took him to school. So let's see if he can recover for that. But I'm not going to eliminate those first three games where he was elite and Trevor Harris was just never better than fine. When I filled out my top 50 ballot for this season for TSN's top 50 players coming into the CFL season, Zach Laris and Trevor Harris were the only two quarterbacks I had in my top 50 players. And I, I would now, if I were doing it now, having seen some more evidence, I, I couldn't I couldn't justify putting Chad Kelly on there. I hadn't seen him play enough. There was, you know, that didn't make any sense. Now I would consider putting Chad Kelly in there. I think I would also have, 
I'd also have Fajardo and Adams in that conversation based on their play too. We can get to those those guys. Yeah, are... I, had, I had Harris and Fajardo fighting each other for a spot, not Adams. I had Adams pretty safely at third. But I but I do like Trevor Harris. I think he's a really good quarterback. I, he hasn't done anything to dissuade me from believing he's a top 50 yeah, CFL he, player. He's, he's perfectly fine. That's, that's where fourth goes. All right, so he's your fourth. So um, where am I here? So my fourth is Cody Fajardo, uh, yep. who... And the reason I have Fajardo... Oh, you so, have Adams below fourth? I do. I have Adams fifth. <laughs> I'll get there. We'll get there easy. Oh, my God. Adams is a fine quarterback. I like Vernon yeah. Adams. I think he... Carry on. I think he's a winning quarterback. I think he's a good CFL quarterback. I think he has a very good football team he plays for. I think a lot of his success... And I, this is not a knock against him, but it's just... Uh, you look at the difference in the weapons that Fajardo has and the weapons that Vernon Adams has. Fajardo... And I know I not efficiency rating doesn't mean everything. But Fajardo coming in at 109 and Adams coming in at 95, that's a big gap. And look at who Fajardo has to work with. He's doing his he's doing the offense all on his own. It's not like it's not like Montreal has like a dominating rushing attack right now. We thought they might. They they haven't really. And I like my quarterbacks to need more than one hand when they're counting <laughs> touchdowns. Yeah. So it, it for me, I know two, you know, two touchdowns. Uh, one interception. He's played safe, but he's played smart football. He's made good decisions. He has made Mac look like a star. Uh, he's he and he just hasn't had much in the way of guys to throw to. So I think he's playing great football right now. He's he's my number four, wow. and then I have Vernon Adams at five. So so who is your number five? Um, that's Fajardo. No, my number five is Mazzoli. You don't even have Fajardo at five. The top. Efficiency ranked no. quarterback. No, in I don't. The I don't have right any time for efficiency. All right. The, he just Winnipeg just shut him out. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, my my number five is Mazzoli. Um, I think that he is the fifth best quarterback in the league right now. And like I talked about, you know, his last four games are identical to Calaris's, um, you know, percentage yards. Uh, the only difference is uh, Calaris has a few more touchdowns, but. Um, He's playing for a better team than than Mazzoli was. Uh, I like Mazzoli. I think I think that he he has a ceiling um, that is higher than uh, Fajardo. I think Fajardo's fine. I think he's perfectly fine quarterback, and he's playing like a perfectly fine quarterback. Um, but I don't I don't I don't see him being somebody who I would you know, build behind or offer a contract pass this year. You know, I wouldn't make him the face of my team. I think he's he's doing fine. But uh, for me, I have uh, I have Mazzoli in after Harris and then Fajardo. So just to just to for, you know, just to completely deflate your your argument, you have you have a knock against Cody Fajardo because he wasn't able to score points last week against Winnipeg. Our number one quarterback only managed two field goals against the BC Lions just a week ago. So it can't, yeah, you know, sometimes guys have bad games and Fajardo still true. put up good numbers. He didn't score points. It's true. Like they, I know, yeah, but they, I need Fajardo's other games to be better. All right. All right. Like that to me is where it comes down to is like, if Fajardo doesn't have other games to hang his hat on to go along with the shutout where for me, Claris and Adams definitely do have, have highlight games, even Harris can point to something where Fajardo can point to being better than 
whatever comes after six. <laughs> and so your sixth is Cody Fajardo? Yes. And my sixth is Jeremiah Masoli. And I will say Masoli could move up. I just, I want to see him. Uh, we haven't seen no, him play I, football in yeah. a year. Uh, we're going to get to see him uh, very soon. Um, you know, we're talking about, um, uh, you know, a matter of, uh, you know, we're into hours now, I guess. Um, so that's exciting. But uh, the the idea that uh, he could move up uh, wouldn't at all surprise me. I, I you know I, I actually expect him to play quite well for Ottawa, so we'll see how that goes. I like to rank my quarterbacks by who I would trade. Yeah, so, that's a fair way to do it. I actually like that. That's a philosophy. You know, would I trade uh, Cody Fajardo for Mazzoli? No, no, sir, I would not. <laughs> so, um, would I trade Harris for Mazzoli? Yes, yes, I would. It's a good way of looking at it. You you often talk about um, when you're looking at a team. If we if we release this guy right now, would teams battle to pick him up? And yeah, that that's always of, my line with the coach. Yeah, like if you fired the coach, would anybody hire him? If the answer is no, you should fire that coach. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's a <laughs> great coach, it's a great way of looking. Your at coach it. should be wanted by other teams. I can't argue with that. All right, who is your number seven QB? Um, oh, now we're getting into the fans and, and random Bo Levi, Cornelius, Adams, Arbuckle, as I like to call him. Um, so I, I don't, I don't actually consider any of these people after I, to me, the edge of the empire is Fajardo. And after that is just wasteland and uh, the occasional roving gang. So that's it. There's just six quarterbacks. There's six good quarterbacks in the CFL. Yes. Everyone else is just. Yes, Bring him and through. if you don't believe me, uh, I got Coach Jones on the line for you. Yeah. Also, Ottawa would like to talk to you. All right, well, I will finish out my list, but I don't think we want to spend a lot of time <laughs> you, on it. But you, well, it's good. It's 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 like a little tri- it's like a little post apocalyptic trip. I'm curious where you go. Well, I've got Jake Mayer next. Uh, oh, then I've got uh, yeah. Actually, that's fair. He's right on. He's right on the border. I wouldn't let him in, but he's knocking on the wall. I've got Dane Evans after that, which is interesting yes. to me because he's not starting. But I think he is a good quarterback. And so I have him in eight. Yeah, that was unfair. Mayor, Mayor is right there on the edge. I agree with you. It, it drops off after Mayor. Uh, yeah, and I agree. Uh, so I got Dane Evans, then Bo Levi Mitchell, who I really thought might have a chance to rebound. But um, yeah, I, I just don't see that happening now. And then Taylor Cornelius is my 10th. And <sighs> I think Taylor Cornelius may, may actually have a good week this week. So uh, be warned, Saskatchewan. I think you might get a, a very solid game from Cornelius after being benched uh, last week for, for Daigie. All right, that rounds up our quarterbacks. Let, let's move into our power rankings, JB. And this time, I hope you didn't just rank your top five and then give up after that because there are no, no I, teams. I, I have... I have followed all the teams this time. Okay, so let's let's go down. Let's count down this time from from nine till one, and we can go through this fairly quickly. I don't think there's I don't think there's a need to drag this this section out. But uh, are we in agreement that Edmonton is at number nine? Yes, number right. nine with a bullet. Yeah, I I don't think an and anchor, I, I, I don't think we even need to say anything about that. No, they are the bottom. For me, Hamilton is number eight. Yes, Hamilton is. Um, I don't know. I don't look like, are they going to get healthy? They have so many holes in that boat right now. I, I know it's the CFL, but the East is stronger this year. I I think Hamilton's done. I thought the East was stronger this year. It's weird though. Like it's, no, I, I, think, I, think, I still think it is, but I think it's coming. Well, that we'll see. I'll tell you who I think is coming. I thought 
Hamilton, like the last time we did power rankings was preseason. Like, we don't do them every week. We do them like th- three times a year. But um, I had Hamilton, I think, as three in preseason rankings. I thought they were going to be good on paper. And then their O-line got decimated. Bully Levi Mitchell got hurt and really didn't look himself anyway, uh, whatever himself is. Oh, I should have um, written down. We should have should have written down what my... Uh... Your power rankings were well. Fortunately, you can go back and listen to what your power <laughs> rankings were. So I guess I could have done that prior to us recording. Okay, carry on. So Hamilton at number eight. Um, who's your number seven? Uh, my number seven is Calgary. So my number seven is Ottawa, and I will say, Ottawa with Basoli may be a whole different animal. So we'll have to see how that goes this week. But I, I just can't put them like they. I don't know, watching them play Montreal and I, I, I don't know. I know that was the, the opener and they've gone all over the place with the quarterbacks. Quarterbacks so huge in the CFL. If Masoli looks good, I'm willing to move Ottawa up in a hurry. But right now, I, I've got them at number seven. And your number seven is Calgary. I've got Calgary at six. Who's your six? Uh, my six is, is uh, Montreal. Yeah, and that's not far off for me. Um, I've got Montreal at five. I, I think they started off two and zero, but I, you know, again, you kind of have to. I just look think at who they are who they are. I think yeah. that uh, like people thought they were going to be really terrible this year. They they have too much coaching smarts for that to be the case. But I I think we've seen who they are. I think they're probably, um, you know, uh, an eight win team. Probably who they are, eight or nine wins. You know, so I think they're fine. But I don't have them. Uh, you know, it's kind of they're on that they're on that tier with Calgary, and I had them in the basement in my initial power rankings, but they're obviously much better than that. But yeah, after starting two and zero, they're coming back to the pack now. Uh, so yeah, number for me, number five is Montreal. Who is your number five? Yeah, my number five is Ottawa. Okay, um, I know you know like it doesn't make sense when you look head to heads, but. Ottawa's defense, and I know they haven't played world beaters, but Ottawa's defense has been absolutely elite across the board statistically, with you know essentially zero quarterback play. Uh, they are almost dead last in every offensive quarterback measurable, um, and so if if you can turn those offensive numbers into middle of the pack, which I think is a very reasonable guess for Mazzoli. Um, and you're able to maintain that level of uh, elite defense and elite special teams coverage. I mean, their numbers are really, really good. I was really surprised at at how many. Um, they're the least penalized team in the league. I think that speaks to the, the you know the coaching, and that speaks to. And on a flip side, we'll talk about Toronto later, but. Uh, you know, they're the least penalized. They are fantastic at covering punts, fantastic at covering kicks. Um, they're good at stopping the run. They're good at stopping the pass. Um, you plug a quarterback in there, and I think you've got something. I think you've got a real team there. So uh, while the order isn't all the same, we've got the same five teams in the bottom five and the same four teams in the top four. Yes. Um, so let's see how that breaks down. I've got Saskatchewan as my number four. Yep, Saskatchewan at four. I think I think that could be Ottawa. I don't want to get too excited about Ottawa, but yeah, right now I have Saskatchewan at four. And they're gonna have some pieces coming back soon too. Like they they might they might get hot as well. They could be like sort of the Ottawa of the West and um you know, really give some teams some problems. 
Uh, number three is probably where we're going to split here. I've got Winnipeg as number three. Yes, and I have BC at three. I, you know, the same way um, you oddly have Trashburn and Adams. Um, uh, you know, I, I think that BC is good, but much like my trade, if Winnipeg played BC, would I take BC? No, I would not. They just so, played, and BC won by a lot. I, I understand. I understand they did, but you know, <laughs> Montreal beat Winnipeg last year, too. Yeah, um, I know, but oh, come on. It's no. recent, like last week. I know, but then then BC went and lit themselves on fire against Toronto. So I'm going to cancel those two out. And then with the three remaining games, I'm going to take Winnipeg. To correct you, Toronto lit BC on fire. But yeah, I get what you're saying. I, I think, I, I just think, uh, and I know we've had, the, you and I have had this discussion before, like the power rankings can't just be here are the standings. Um, and And I agree with that. But I also have trouble not looking at head-to-head matchups. Just like I yeah, wouldn't be able to if, put BC ahead of Toronto. If Winnipeg hadn't come out and just sort of been dominant against Montreal, I feel like, you know, they came back out and were like, no, let's not get things twisted here. That's fair. I think they're really close. I do think the top three teams are all right there with each other. And if BC, BC at home and BC adding, if they can get that wide receiver room and the running back healthy, um. They could be a massive problem for anybody at any time. Yeah, and for me, BC at number two, I I think I think they've got so many pieces. Like they don't really have a positional weakness, much like Toronto. I think Vernon Adams is a good quarterback. Um, I think he's got weapons. If Lucky Whitehead comes back, that receiving core it, it's already deadly. But you've got Rhymes, who is top two quarterback or top two receivers in the league, maybe the best. Um, and, uh, when Mizell's healthy, he looks great too. I don't think he was at hundred percent playing against Toronto. So yeah, I, I think, um, I think they're number two for me and you've got Winnipeg as your number two, which again, I can't, I can't really argue with They're They're all sort of the same. And then we've got the Argonauts at, at number one, who I just think are playing the best football right now. They've got the best defense in the league. They've got what looks like the most reliable offense in the league. And the special teams last week finally started coming together. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, I believe we had a Toronto-Winnipeg 1-2 in our preseason. Um, yeah, I, I think so. I, now, you know, it it will it be easy for Toronto to beat Winnipeg? No, but as of right now, yeah, I think Toronto is, I think Toronto is the best team. But the next month is, is going to be tough because they're going to go on the road and, you know, they're going to have... Going to Montreal is never easy. Flying out east and playing Saskatchewan will not be easy. Flying to Calgary, ugh. Oh god, Calgary. So yeah, that those are those are you know, it may it may look very different when we do our week nine power ranking, but right now you can't deny Toronto being the best. JB, it is time for Put Me Down for 20. And before we get into Put Me Down for 20, while gambling can be a fun way to enhance your sports viewing experience, it's important to do so responsibly. Set a budget, never bet more than you're happy to lose. And if you or anyone you know develops a problem with gambling, you can always call the Ontario Problem Gambling Helpline, 1-888-230-3505. And folks, we're just doing this for fun too. You should never really take our advice to heart to heart. <laughs> no. You know, we're just, you know, we're just playing around and um, uh, providing some entertainment. So keep that in mind as you are making your bets. 
So JB, last week uh, I had a good week. You did not have a good week. Uh, oh, after... I had I had it in my hands, you did. and then it turned to sand. You did the, have the, it. The betters, the betters, uh, the betters prayer. Well, JB swings for the fences. I'm a little bit more uh, smaller play consistent because um, you had a huge one hit the week before, but yeah, it just wasn't to be for and, this week. And what happened was I I went with the more conservative pick. I had the parlay. I had the cover two and a half and win uh, with the over. And I was in on it and in on it. And then I got cold feet and thought that that was a little too bold and went with an, uh, a slightly different one. And nonetheless. Yeah. If you if you think a horse is going to win and at the gate you change to another horse, I can guarantee you which horse is going to win. <laughs> All right. So what do we got here? So uh, for my picks, moving on. So again, for the fence is big here again. Well, before we get there, so you've got, we started with uh, 200 golden fleeces. So JB still has 184 golden fleeces. I'm at 247 and change. Hmm. Um, and we don't have an Argos bet this week. So we've got 20 golden fleeces to place on two bets of our choice. You're living that grind life. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you have, JB? Uh, I have, um, so for plus, um, for plus 470, Dominique Rhymes first touchdown for BC. Yeah, I like uh, that number too. We got up close and personal view of it uh, the other day. He is very, very hard to cover. And when you have BC, maybe if Whitehead's back, you know, you can't cover him one-on-one. And, you know, he just absolutely ran a perfect corner against, uh, against Toronto. So he's, they're looking for him. He's an elite receiver. I like I like him to score the first touchdown for BC at home. He's so tough near the end zone, too. He's just got that height. Like, you don't realize how tall he is until you see him stand next to some of those Argos DBs. You're like, wow, that guy's, that's a, that's a, because he doesn't move like a tall receiver. He moves no. like a smaller guy. And yeah, that's what makes him so elite. He is the problem. Uh, my second one is going along with my rebirth of Ottawa. I love Mazzoli heading into Hamilton. I have the Red Blacks to win, and because I'm not a sharp, I will bang that over. <laughs> so it's Red Blacks to win with the over at plus 280. Because only a boring sharp cheers for the under. I like unders, but I don't have any <laughs> unders in my picks this week. So No, you, sir. So I got, will never bet an under. You've got 10 golden fleeces on both of those. Yes, um, please. I will put out 10 golden fleeces on both of my bets, too. So the first one is I've got uh, Trey Odom's Dukes with under 63 and a half yards uh, receiving. The reason for that one, uh, you know, looking at Calgary's lineup this week, he's going to be playing in the, in the boundary slot. And he's going to have to go up against Dietrich Nichols a lot for Winnipeg. I love Dietrich Nichols. I think he's the best DB in the CFL. Well, and Nichols is an interesting name to choose since you seem to love playing the nickel slots here. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be at the table if you need me. Right. So that's my Nichols slots play for this week is 10 mm. golden fleeces on Tradem's Dukes under 63 and a half yards receiving. That's at, at minus 114 for the juice. So I, I don't like that number. There's, no, for, there's for nothing juice, more but... exciting than cheering for an under. Get a cold, <laughs> refreshing agree. beverage. But that number is high. Going against, like, Nichols doesn't cheer for, doesn't allow cheer for any. bad passes. No, he I agree. I mean, it, it, I can see the juice that would add to watching Cheering the game. for defense. Cheering for good defense. <laughs> good defensive play. And yeah. my second bet is a parlay. I've got Ottawa on the money line, and I'm going to parlay that with Winnipeg minus seven and a half. 
Um, that's a big line, but I think Winnipeg might blow the doors off Calgary. That comes in at plus 310 for me. That's where my other 10 Golden Fleeces are going. All right, JB, it's time for our CFL picks. You swept the board last week after a, a bit of a dreadful week three. Your week four was a perfect 3-0. and I was one and sorry, I was two and one last week, so that has us both at nine and six on the season. Uh, yeah, let's let's get into it for this week. So, Edmonton at Saskatchewan. That game is tonight. That game is in a matter of uh, a few hours. So, where are you going for that one? <laughs> well, it'll be a cold day in the Empire before I put anything down on the Elks of Edmonton again. So, uh, I am I am not choosing them. I I think that. Uh, it's going to be, um, yeah. I think, I think that uh, you're looking at a nice, a nice uh, Saskatchewan home win. Yeah, I think so too. I, I actually think it's going to be tight though. I think Saskatchewan wins. Uh, that's, uh, I think their spread is huge. I know, like seven and a half or eight too. Maybe. Here's what I'm going to tell you might be in play. We might be at the end of the Jones era. He's taken some big swings and quarterbacks have been cut and that goes one of two ways. Team coalesces around the new direction or the team says F that. So we're going to see really quick. If this game gets out of hand, um, I think that's it for Jones. My prediction is with five minutes remaining in the game, Edmonton will be winning. But Saskatchewan will win oh, the game. Wow! Yeah, I think so. I think Cornelius is going to play the best game he's played as a pro. I think he's going to have. I think Cornelius is going to have about seventy yards rushing as well, um, and that's something that he lost from his game uh, in his starts this season. So that's that's my thought on this. We're Oof. we're four I, hours I see, from I kickoff. See it, I see it like twenty-one three at the half, and then the the TSN crew is like, "Where who coaches Edmonton next?" That's where <laughs> I see it going. All right, we'll see. Uh, then we got tomorrow's game, uh, Calgary at Winnipeg. I've already said I think Winnipeg's going to um, just pound Calgary in this. I, I think, and I think it would be like that no matter who they were up against right now. Winnipeg's in machine mode. They've just turned on their their level of focus after losing to BC. I think they're going to put together a few straight weeks of just just pounding one team after another. I think they beat Calgary pretty handily. Yeah, me too. Uh, you know, unfortunately, like I, we'd like to have more debates here, but uh, it I is love. What it is, yeah. I, I like, you know, I I like all the home favorites. Uh, I think Winnipeg is back on track. I think BC probably, <laughs> probably the worst thing they could have done for the league. Um, I think Winnipeg comes home and takes care of Calgary. It's it's in Calgary is, they are an enigma. I have not been able to figure out what the heck to do with Calgary. So I'm I'm very curious to watch this game actually, but I like Winnipeg. They do play well coming off the bye, and that's one thing that you never know. Like what is what what did coach come up with during the bye week? But I just think Winnipeg's playing good football right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. I don't know what I I I really don't know what to make of Calgary, and have not the whole. I didn't know in the preseason. I don't know now. So carry on. Saturday's game, Ottawa at Hamilton. This this has the potential to be the best or at least the closest game of the weekend. Uh, I've got Ottawa in this because it's the Jeremiah Masoli revenge game. Uh, and I just don't, I haven't seen much from Hamilton yet. No, love it. Um, I, I, Hamilton is too injured. Um, I don't know how they piece that thing together. I think Masoli is going to love coming in and torching them i think ottawa is ready to shift into another gear and this is probably a dagger game for hamilton 
because I, I, I don't think less than nine wins gets you in the playoffs. And it's going to be really hard to get. It's getting increasingly hard for Hamilton to see the way to nine wins. They've got to win this week. They have to win. I just don't think they're going to. And I think they have to play Toronto like eight more times. I know that's that's also going to be a problem. But uh, yeah, I think Ottawa wins this week. No, I love it. Should be a good game. But I mean, this will be for me. This will tell me a lot about Ottawa because Hamilton is, you know, Hamilton, Ottawa, Montreal. Those are the three teams kind of fighting it out. Can you put the dagger in your opponent? Um, and that'll show me that Ottawa is for real. And then the last game of the week, Montreal at BC. I, I like BC against any East team having to travel all the way out there yeah. three hours into the past. So I'm going to take the BC lines, but I think this will be close to, I think Montreal is better than everyone thought. I, I think BC is better and they're at home. So BC wins. Yeah. I, I like BC at home. I think they're, you know, potentially Whitehead comes back. Um, they're, they're very good at home. They just got embarrassed on TV. Uh, they will not be a fun team to play. Montreal definitely pulled the the short straw on the cross country trip. I like I like BC uh, pretty big. We'll see if your guy uh, Fajardo can whip up more than fourteen points. And just to sort of wrap up this, we don't have a fantasy. Well, it's kind of the, it's kind of the Grant Bowl in a sense. You have Adams versus Fajardo. I guess this will be a nice little uh, to see who's better. Yeah. That's That's the nice pieces little, they're uh, working with pieces. All right. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how we'll see how that goes. So we'll just add in our our fantasy thought to this segment. We're not going to go through our fantasy picks. We've done away with that for this season. But uh, we are in our podcast. The X and Argos podcast is in a CFL podcast fantasy league as we were last year. We are right now at the top of the standings with the second most points scored. And we've got a matchup this week with the guys from Argos Fancast. So a lot on the line. Argos aren't even playing. So. We're really going to have to dive into it. We're not going to go through specific I think players, maybe, but... Sh- should we not keep this a secret? Do we want to give away well, our we picks? Will, we'll have we'll they, keep have they locked in? No, well, they'll, they'll change. You know, who knows what they're doing? But, you know, they, they talked about some stuff yesterday on their pod, but they never fully lock in, lock in. But strategy-wise, where do you think where do you think most of the CFL points are coming for you? Look at these games. You know, where... Yeah, I like I I liked the, the BC game. I like the Winnipeg game. Yeah, me too. Um... I think there's gonna be big scores this week. I like I like uh I like the Saskatchewan game. Yeah. I, they, I think I think there are teams that are going to uh that are going to to pump other teams. I think this is a big score weekend. I don't think we should take anyone from Montreal. I don't think we should take anyone from Hamilton, but I think everyone else, I think there's some options there. I don't and even know who who'd you take from Hamilton? I wouldn't. That's the thing. I no. just crossed it Jake off. Bert, I, number one pick, <laughs> tight end specialist. <laughs> Well, I think that will just about do it for us on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. I hope you are enjoying the bye week. Argos back at it next week. We will get you set with our pregame walkthrough coming to you midway next week. Enjoy the games this weekend. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya. Fight the foe, foe.